0: Welcome to ConExpo ConAg Radio, highlighting the latest construction technology and trends to drive your business forward. Coming up in March of 2020, ConExpo ConAg is North America's largest construction trade show. We bring you expert advice from your favorite brands, startups, and industry peers. And for even more news, sign up for our weekly 365 e-newsletter at conexpoconag.com slash subscribe. We've got another great guest on the show today, so let's dig in.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Con Expo Con Ag Radio. I'm your host, Missy Sherber, and I'm thrilled to introduce a new segment on the podcast called Contractor Conversations. Every month, I'll be talking to your favorite contractors around the country about their projects, workforce development, technology, and of course, equipment. I hope these conversations give you the expertise and support that you need to thrive in the daily work that you do. For those of you that don't know me, I'm a contractor based in Minnesota and I own a demolition and excavating company alongside my husband, Trevor. I'm passionate about our industry and I want to recognize all the hard work that you do every day to build our world. I truly believe that ConExpo ConAg is the event where the construction community can come together and belong. And I sure hope you'll join me and my guests at the show in Las Vegas in March of 2020. Now please stay connected with me on Instagram, where you can join the conversation and stay up to date on all the exciting things that are happening at the show that you won't want to miss. Now let's get started with today's episode. Armed with a BlackBerry and Matt equipment operating skills, Scott Colclo started Pushy Six in 2012 as a YouTube channel affectionately named after his Caterpillar d 6 Scott has grown Pushy Six into a globally recognized brand with a mission of inspiring the next generation of heavy equipment operators. Today, we're going to dig deeper into Scott's passion for equipment and technology, as well as his vision for workforce development. Well, Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks for having
2: me. I'm excited.
1: (laughs) We're very excited to have you. Now, for those of you that don't know you from YouTube or Instagram, Tell us a little bit more about yourself and more importantly, how you got started in the construction business.
2: Um, a bit about myself, gee. Um, well, I've worked in construction for the past 20 years, holding all different types of positions from a laborer, operator, supervisor, surveyor, business development manager, purchaser, safety officer, a little bit of bidding and estimating, Ooh. and equi- <laughs> And equipment trainer. I love it. I love it. A lot. Yeah.
1: You've pretty much fulfilled Um, every role, which is is really exciting for us to talk to you about that today, because I love that you're going to have perspective from every angle. Um, But how did you get started in the construction business? Like, give us a little sneak peek of what that looked like for Scott.
2: Yeah, sure. So kind of how I got into it... um, I quit high school at a young age to, you know, start working and make money. Uh, I don't recommend doing that, but <laughs> at the time that, that's kind of what I did. And with that, uh, I worked in a bunch of different roles, but I began on a tree farm. I was I think 16 or 17 and, you know, we used equipment, uh Bobcat, skid steer. To uh, dig and transplant trees and stuff like that, and awesome. I remember the first time I ever sat in one, I fell in love. Ugh. I knew this was my passion. This was my calling. I fell in love. Like I'm using this machine as an extension of my body, doing what I couldn't physically do. Wow. Just the concept of that and the feeling of the machine, and you know, you can feel the machine through the controls. I just, I fell in love. And it's been game over since then.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. So you really felt connected to the equipment, even as you were learning, you just right away, it was instant for you. Absolutely. That's so cool. And now tell me the progression, because you, you did Bobcat for a few years at the tree farm. And then I love the part of your story about becoming a dozer operator, which was kind of the next step. Is that correct?
2: Yes, that's kind of the next step. So I worked, uh, I worked on the tree farm for a little bit, and we've done a little bit of landscaping and whatnot, and I would go to construction sites and development, and the one day I seen a bulldozer, and I was like, oh my God. Whoa. <laughs> I, ne- I, I need to run that thing. Like, i made <laughs> to run that. So what happened was I worked on the tree farm. At the time, I had three kids. One was a newborn. And I decided that I was going to make the jump from a tree farmer landscape into heavy construction so I could operate this bulldozer.
1: (laughs) The bulldozer was calling you, huh?
2: (laughs) It was calling me. So what I had to do is I had to work for another guy for free that had a bulldozer, and excavator. So I would work all day, then I would go work for free just to get experience on it. Oh, wow. Uh, Wow. I did that for a little while, and then I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I applied for a full-time dozer operator position. Uh, lied, said, you know, I rambled over for three years. Meanwhile, <laughs> I had 10 to 20 hours on it. Uh, I kind of faked my way into it. You know, it was a, a sink or swim kind of deal. Uh, for me with my family, I could not fail. That was not an option. Wow. It helped that I had extreme passion for it because yeah, I had a short amount of experience in it, but when I wasn't in it, my mind was going over it and thinking about it and (laughs) just kind of, kind of break down the whole thing. So that led me to learning faster than the average person because of my passion for it and stuff like that. And I was able to swim, not sink. And you know, I didn't look like a newbie on site. Yeah. Um, so, yeah,
1: that's an interesting way to connect how quick you were able to learn is that you had a passion for it. And is that kind of the advice you'd give to operators that maybe are looking to grow in their career, you know, and maybe in the same spot that you were? They they're at their their first place, but they see the big equipment and they aspire to be there is is passion, you say, the best fuel to kind of mastering operating quickly.
2: I think for me, it was, I think no matter what you do or who it is, you have to harness some type of drive to push you to be the best you can be or yeah. to, you know, get over fears and outside of your comfort zones to do things to become great eventually. Yeah. Right. So for me, passion is the thing that I harness to, uh, you know, help me learn and become such self- successful with what I was doing
1: that's so great and then as a dozer operator now how many years were you operating the dozer before you started sharing that those stories on social media because I feel like you were kind of one of the pioneers on social media to start sharing behind the scenes of being an operator
2: yeah so I was a dozer operator for maybe uh, I don't know five to seven years prior Yep. Yeah. Now, I first went on Instagram, actually, to use that platform to direct or funnel people from that platform to my YouTube channel. Okay. Um, but over time, things have evolved just as I have, and yeah. it's turned into something much bigger and greater. Um, so
1: Right. And now, were there many, you know, operators on social media at the time? What year was that that you got started?
2: Uh, Instagram was December, 2012. Wow. Okay. Awesome.
1: Now, so talk about the transition then, you know, you were operating, you were sharing those stories on YouTube and Instagram. Operators were really loving the behind the scenes, the tips, the tricks that you were sharing. What inspired the Pushy Six brand that you started and what does that brand mean to you?
2: Well, I think my passion directly inspired me to form Pushy Six. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to show the world what I was passionate about. Yep. I also wanted to bring some type of change to an old industry, mm-hmm. help people somehow, some way that could make a true difference. I figured I could use myself as an example to bring this vision to life in many different ways. Right, I believe... I believed in myself and I thought if I could put myself out of my comfort zone, overcome my fears and succeed at something that I built from scratch, even though I was told I was wasting my time by people, (laughs) other people would see my achievements, you know, that brings positivity and inspires other people to do the same, to, you know, do it even though you're scared, do it even though you're told no, like, The impossible is actually possible if you have the will and drive to do it.
1: Wow. So it really had a deep meaning to you. It was was not just about you and your own brand. It was really about the community of potential operators out there.
2: Yes. And to me, it means the world to me. But it's not even about me. It's for a much larger purpose other than myself. Yeah. It's for the industry. It's for everyone, you know. In a world driven by hate and greed, I basically decided to sacrifice or use myself and my time and my life to try and, you know, become a role model and lead people in a more positive direction.
3: Right.
1: And you've done certainly that. I've I've really, really enjoyed the posts that you've shared on Instagram and how you've just kind of neutrally inspired operators at every level. I love watching them the way they connect with you. I mean, they really do trust you. And and which is incredible. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, I like to think I'm relatable. Uh, I have a lot of experience wide range, so I can talk about a bunch of different things. Yeah. The thing the thing about me is, you know, I talk the talk, but I also walk the walk, right? Yeah. So people can relate to that and I stand for something. I have a purpose. I have morals that I stand by. Mm-hmm. And the one thing is to be honest with people and, you know, direct people in the right direction. Yeah. If, if I don't believe in something, I won't talk about it. Yeah. I don't do paid posts. I don't do paid anything. Mm-hmm. It has to come from my heart. Yeah. All the posts that I write, I write based on, how and what I'm feeling at that current time.
1: That's so great because, I mean, the, the construction industry can be an overwhelming landscape, I, I feel. And you've done such a good job at just pinpointing specific subjects, equipment, and all of that. Now, let's transition a little bit to talking about equipment and technology because that is, is really what it seems like the operating community has loved talking to you about on social media. But first, let's start with the Pushy Six brand, your logo. What inspired that to give us that quick story?
2: Yeah, sure. So I built it around the Caterpillar D6T. Um, at, the t- <laughs> at, at the time, I was up in the oil sands uh, working, uh, building an oil oil and gas plant. Uh, I was operating a D6T. During that time, I was trying to form my YouTube channel, and I was trying to come up with a name that was catchy and meant something and... I kind of combined the machine that I was running with what it does. And that's what I came up with, D6,
3: mm-hmm. pushes
2: dirt, pushy six.
3: yeah, And the
2: rest is kind of history, right? So, you know, I, I had a vision and it began right then and there. And then ever since, uh, I've done a bunch of other things yeah, to kind of bring that vision to life.
1: That's so. awesome. So now with that being said, you started in the D6. What were the next um, few machines that you ran and of all of them, once you kind of tell us, you know, the progression of equipment you've run, because I know you've operated bigger machines than a D6, um, tell us your favorite after you give us that insight.
2: Yeah, so I ran D6. What I specialize in is a GPS dozer, Okay. Um, specifically my favorite, the D6 equipped with Topcon, Leica, Trimble, whatever. Um mm-hmm but from there i've ran excavators from little minis to ones that weigh 120 tons to even bigger uh not a lot of time on big face shovels and stuff like that i could hop in and do it no problem um but i've ran scrapers i've ran loaders i've ran backhoes i've ran graders like where i have worked for the past 10 years at kidco they have everything Awesome, and they not only have everything they have like the really big stuff (laughs) um for doing stuff within the city which is very uncommon Mm -hmm. you know we're using full rigid rock trucks and you know 657 scrapers and stuff like that within the city but here we build the entire city and the subdivisions we're doing are massive so yeah we need like mining machines to basically achieve what we're doing. Oh so, that's
1: great. and then you you're the dozer was your favorite kind of a, of after operating everything, um, you loved the dozer.
2: Dozer is my favorite and I'll tell you why. yeah I'm big on technology. I'm big on survey uh, but I'm also big on kind of helping the workflow of the job site. That's exactly what the dozer does. It's a type of support equipment doesn't really make money but it helps other equipment so in most cases what the bulldozer does it goes around the job site nonstop, helping other people complete their jobs or come after to complete the task get it finished or whatever wow the bulldozer is always on the move unlike an excavator it gets kind of boring you're stuck in one spot <laughs> where the bulldozer you're doing different tasks you may push a pile and then you may go trim a pond to grade That uh, excavator is cutting, or you might have to go do some ripping for some scrapers. Like, the tasks are so much more than the average machine.
1: Wow. I've never even thought about that with the dozer, that it's really kind of one of the support systems of a continuously flowing job site. Yes. That's so great. So that's really what you liked about the dozer, was that it was nimble, you were kind of hopping everywhere and supporting everyone, which is kind of really who you are as a person is just supportive. So that's... That's so interesting. Now talk more about the 2D, 3D grade control um, and how that increased your productivity and profitability. And you're speaking to the audience here, but you're also speaking to Trevor and I as we look to invest for our own business in the 3D grade control. Talk to us about the productivity and profitability of that.
2: Well, um... <laughs> I've been pushing machine control since 2007 yeah I've had a lot of pushback and I've ignored it because I simply knew what it was all about like it improves efficiency crazy um, like I can't even find the words to explain how efficient it is. You're only moving dirt once you're able to see the site built before you build it. Mm-hmm you you can turn on site and see what you have to do next. Mm-hmm. You use it to manage the dirt and the job site uh, while you're working. So you're kind of not replacing the surveyor, but you have a surveyor on site that is checking nonstop for errors or what needs to be done. Okay. Now where I live, especially in heavy civil construction, you can't even bid on jobs now if you don't have equipment in your fleet equipped with GPS. That's how efficient it is.
4: Wow.
2: All of the government doing all these uh, roads and interchanges, they all know how efficient GPS is. So if you have machines equipped with that, it's going to cost them less to get that same job done wow. using a contractor with GPS Versus one that doesn't have that in their fleet.
1: Wow. So there's actually a demand in the marketplace of customers that are aware of what this can do for their job site, how more, much more efficient it can be.
2: Yes, absolutely. Now, 2D is great. You know, there's lasers and there's all this used for different things, yeah. um, you know, which which is a, a good Uh, cheaper option than the 3d machine control Mm
3: -hmm. Um,
2: but now our machines uh, are beginning to eliminate the need for the 2d for example there's grade assist and stuff like that that come on a new cap machine that does the same thing as a 2d but you don't need a laser you don't need nothing it uses Sensors within the machine to know where great is. You set the benchmark just as you would with a laser, right? Kind of. And then you do it with the machine. So now you don't need a laser. You don't need a guy on the ground. You don't need a 3D model, nothing. So the 2D uh, is kind of changing, I yeah. see. I don't think it's going to be around too, too much longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some things, it will always be there. Um, But that's something I see with the 2D. But all of these things are excellent to invest in.
1: Awesome. And that kind of leads great into my next question. Um, And I want to ask this question first from the contractor's perspective and then the operator's perspective. But what advice would you have for contractors when it comes to investing in new technology?
2: I love this question. (laughs) I'm going to bring up some points that no one thinks about. Contractors... I think it's a great idea it is a great idea it's the best one ever but it's more than just spending the money uh investing in the equipment you have to train your guys how to use it properly
3: mm-hmm.
2: one of the big things is you have to manage all of that data so you need software to go along with it you need to train people that know how to do it properly you need operators that know how to use the machine control properly and know when it's not working Mm -hmm. it it can be failing or not working pick up another base from another surveyor and throw your whole site out an inch to 10 feet Mm
3: -hmm.
2: if it's an inch the operator may not realize that if they're not experienced and you build the whole thing an inch low wow so there's big things like that but you have to train your people, and you have to manage the data. The data is the big one.
1: Okay. And so you're saying from a contractor's perspective, when it comes to investing in it, they're not just investing in the technology. They're also investing in the operator um, and training them, but then also trying to do their best to manage the data. What, it, what? Tell me a little bit more about managing the data. Kind of describe that a little bit.
2: You can build a 3D model of your job site a bunch of different ways.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: A a surveyor can go out on foot, take all the points, or you can use LIDAR. So LIDAR is a drone mapping system. Mm -hmm. It flies over, uh, gets all the contours and points and all that, uh, gets uploaded into a program. In that program is where you manage all the points and all the data, and then you can build uh, a gps model or 10 out of that so if you don't have someone that knows how to manage that data you can't build a design that will function in the bulldozer that your operator can use that to makes actually sense. build the site
1: that makes sense so now you know the contractor invests in some great technology for their business um you're saying the next piece is really training the operator which kind of leads to my next question. What advice do you have for operators when they're stepping into new equipment with new technology?
2: I guess have an open mind. You know, a lot of people that are kind of new with this technology, they, you know, they're kind of, they don't really see the benefit in it. They just think it's going to take their job away or whatever, you know. It's not until they actually get to use it that they find out really quickly that this is making me a better operator It's more productive it is so efficient it's not even funny yeah um going into a new system or whatever i recommend driving around the site going through the control the control box playing with different things kind of learning on your own trial and error what works what doesn't work right um and, you know, you go on to online forums and read, read about different systems and how they work.
3: Right. And, you
2: know, uh, there's earth moving forums and stuff about it, uh, but it's a huge learning curve. So I think a person going into it kind of has to be committed to learning how to use it most efficiently as possible.
1: Right, right. Now, that's the one part I'm really excited about at ConExpo, coneg and and why I'm pretty motivated to bring our team of operators is it sounds like the tech experience there is pretty extensive, and there's representatives from all the different companies to kind of walk you through the technology and and explain it. Um, Is that the experience that you had with the tech area, the large tech area of ConExpo?
2: Yeah, so there's a lot of tech there. The last time I was there in 2017, I was there with TopCon. I was doing a bunch of interviews uh, with TopCon at their booth, and, you know, I was directing a bunch of traffic to their new technologies and stuff like that, but uh, there's lots of tech there besides them. And, uh, you know, there's lots of new stuff, I think, that are going to be released at this show. I don't know, I'm assuming. (laughs) Um, But... The world in every kind of industry is moving towards implementing uh, technology into everything right. that they do.
1: Right. What do you see as the I biggest think, game changer, you know, as, as you bring that up in the next five years, specifically for construction and tech?
2: This is my favorite question. <laughs> um, it's a bunch of different things. Uh, augmented reality mm-hmm. is the next big thing we're going to see a cab of a machine have a seat and nothing but a seat.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You won't need a dashboard. You won't need gauge clusters. You won't need a key or push button, start nothing. You'll put on a set of glasses, which is uh, assigned to you. So if you're not wearing the glasses or the right glasses, you can't even start the machine, Wow! but you know, you'll put your hand through air to start the machine or to do different functions or whatever. I think it'll still have joysticks for now, um, but it's going to remove a lot of electronics, you know, in the cabs now, you know, the the screens that are tablets now and all this, right? So. I see the machines having less electronics to break down and Mm -hmm. malfunction, Mm -hmm. although it will have augmented reality. But I think those electronics can be put somewhere within the machine that is safe.
1: Right. Um,
2: I think it's going to change and stuff like that. And going a little bit further into the future, I foresee augmented reality being paired with a type of AI assistant. Mm -hmm. that can talk to the operator, the operator can talk to the assistant and tell the assistant what he wants to achieve and how he wants to do it. And the assistant can, you know, help manage the machine and grade and everything with the operator kind of working as one. Right. That's what I see coming.
1: That's so exciting. You know, not just from a safety perspective, but from quality control. That'd be amazing. And and you know what? It gives me hope that maybe one day I could run a dozer.
2: (laughs) Wouldn't that be so cool?
1: (laughs) We'll have to do that together at the show. Um, So, you know, we've talked about equipment and technology, and I've loved your perspective on that. But without workforce, you know, what good is all the metal and the tech? So let's talk about that. Um, Many businesses, I mean, and this is something we've struggled with, you know, with our business have a severe lack of operators, what can we be doing as an industry to attract more people to this field? So excited to ask you this.
2: <laughs> hmm. Well, I think we can start out by changing the root problems that are causing these issues like labor shortage of operators and other positions. Um... I would like to kind of touch on one of my favorite topics, women in construction. (laughs) Woohoo! Um, I'm going to mention something that's never talked about. I think we need to make it more acceptable Mm -hmm. to get women in construction. That's talked about. But what isn't talked about is the gender pay gap. Yeah. We need to close that completely. Women should be paid as much as men in construction now when it comes to the pay gap construction as an industry is one of the better ones great um but we're not there all the way we're Mm -hmm. at like 86 cents on the dollar so i think we all need to do our part to pay women the same amount yeah and that will maybe attract more women to get into construction It won't be so hard if all the men, you know, aren't downgrading the women and actually work with them, Right. stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of women that we could use as a workforce in construction that could fill all types of different positions from operators to engineers. Like, it's an endless list. Yeah.
3: So
1: you think, you know, let's kind of work on the pay gap to attract more women into the workforce. Now, tell me really quick, you had an experience where you were training This was about a year ago, I remember seeing. You trained a woman operator, and it was just a great experience. I mean, she just spoke the world of of you. Tell me about that experience quick of what that looked like.
2: I've trained many women. Uh, I believe in them, always have. That's why I go out of my way to do it. Um, But, yeah, it was a great experience. Now, guys aren't going to like this, but in general, I find women to be better operators. Wow. They're Calmer, they don't have egos, they have more finesse, they take care of their stuff better, they clean their <laughs> machines. It's a huge, long list. Yeah. And when you put all that together, they make a better operator.
1: Wow. Scott, I like it.
2: <laughs>
1: so I think that's a great way to talk about, you know, attracting women into the workforce. But what about, too? I mean, you have a lot of, there are a lot of male, you know, potential operators, I think, who maybe love to work with their hands or love to be outside and and might be in a different career path. What do we do to attract, you know, that community of, of, you know, professionals out there into our industry? What is your thought? What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, I think our industry in general has many unpleasant stigmas that Mm -hmm. push people away. Uh, So there's some things like that we need to change together. Yep. Uh, we need to make it attractive. We need to actually put leaders as leaders. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of people that are, you know, supervisors and stuff like that, that they're not people, persons, they're not leaders. They know how to move dirt. Mm
4: -hmm. So
2: what happens is, yeah, there's production. But then you have a bunch of upset people and high turnover, and it's kind of endless, right? Right.
1: So, So kind of maybe push more leaders into those top positions, those management positions, so that people are more inspired to be in the industry. Standish, I think that's great advice. Um, Now, here's one I'm I'm curious: What are some things construction companies can do to attract? to attract top talent, um, but also retain and keep that top talent. And and you're a very talented operator. So this is, I think, an important question to ask you. What can we do?
2: Well, to attract them, you know, we can change stigmas. We can um, change the image of construction uh, using social media. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's the biggest way to recruit people these days and get out certain messages and whatnot need to connect and engage with these people. Mm -hmm. And that I think is the biggest way. Now it's one thing to attract the person. It's another thing to keep or retain them. Now on social media, you're able, you know, to control your own image and stuff like this as a company, you know, we're the best company ever. We do this, 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 we care about our people. And then when they attract the people, hire the people, the people start working, it's a whole different story.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I see some issues like that happening. I'm not going to mention any names. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's hurting many different things. But I think we need incentive programs. And we need to engage with employees and make them feel like human beings. Yeah. We need to involve them. We need to ask their opinions. People love being involved. They love to be a part of something. We yeah. need to involve the people Yes. into the company more than it's ever really been done. Okay. You know, it's it's been thought of a, as a numbers game, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's a balance between production and empathy of your people.
1: Yeah. That's so great. That's the best advice. And and you're resounding kind of a message that I really heard consistently in my interview with Keaton Turner and also Ryan of Rock Structures, where, you know, you're really involving your team and you're rewarding them and you're empathizing with them. And so I I think you just really nailed it when it comes to advising construction companies on what they can do, you know, to retain. um, Which What can managers do? Because I know you've been in those management positions to build a positive workplace culture or morale
2: well it all starts at the top so it's going to start there but there's a bunch of different things you can do and that is start by treating people uh, how you like to be treated Mm -hmm. Uh, you know we all need days off we all have families (laughs) we all have problems you know and you have to have this balance between production and your people mm-hmm. you know so to retain them you know you have to accommodate and you have to be aware and work work with your people you know there's there's a lot of people going through a lot of stuff at home there's depression and there's all these things in our world today that affect people and at work you're just supposed to suck it up, drop everything and be this person that is invincible Mm -hmm. and you get some boss that doesn't even care about anyone and he's dictating and, you know, he cares about his production timeline, not about his employees. And when we change that type of thinking, I think that's when we're gonna see huge difference and we'll be retaining people and there's a bunch of different changes that will, you know, come stem from that.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic advice to, to really think about finding balance between production and people. I, I just love the way you put that. So I think one place for people to really find value is at the family reunion we've all been talking about, which is ConExpo ConAg. <laughs> um, yes. So let's talk about that. Tell me your first memory of attending ConExpo ConAg.
2: Oh, my first memory is I was walking through Con Expo and I realized I became some type of rock star online. There was people trying to take selfies <laughs> with me in the background, people approaching me. Oh, my God, look who it is. Um, you know, I, during that show, I talked to several hundred people that recognized me. I stopped to talk to every single one of them. That's great. And, uh Yeah, so that's one thing, but Con Expo is amazing. It's unlike any other equipment show. It's held in Vegas. Uh, You know, there's a lot of stuff to see there. It's very big. It's Mm -hmm. not too big. Like Bama. Bama's way too big. (laughs) Con Expo is perfect. It's the perfect size. But going going to Con Expo, you you need to do some planning. Yeah, I didn't plan, so I walked everywhere, and I was on the fourth day with two days left, la- or yeah, two days left. I couldn't walk anymore. <laughs> I had to rent like a little scooter to boot around on for the rest of the show. That's awesome. So it's a lot of planning, but there's a lot of new things at sold. This is where companies and manufacturers. They use this event to premiere new products and uh, innovations, and it's a huge lift. Everything yeah. construction is there. If if it's important, it is at ConExpo.
1: That's awesome. So if it's important, it's there, and yes. there's a lot of passion walking around, but you're saying have a plan you know, of where you want to go. What, what booths were kind of your favorite to hit uh, in 2017 when you were there?
2: uh my favorite booth was cat booth as usual uh topcon and uh encon
1: actually you like their I like
2: yes I like the encon booth because you could get in and try the tilt rotator now prior to that con expo I never seen one in real life I knew the value in it but I've never tried one and stuff like that right so right in that at their booth, I was able to hop inside and actually try it, right? Oh, so, that's so great. But there's a lot of demonstrations going on for equipment. There's some that you can hop in and try yourself. Uh, a lot of great things. You know, there's big cranes and, you know, there's all sorts of different forms of construction. I, I like to stay kind of based around earth-moving type stuff. Right. Um. That's kind of where my passion lies. So. For sure where I stayed.
1: So I feel like this is a silly question, but what keeps you coming back to Con Expo (laughs) besides the metal?
2: (laughs) It's the people. So when I was first there, I went to an Instagram meetup. I'm pretty sure it was the very first one ever in the world. Uh, I met a lot of people that I knew on Instagram that I talked to about relationships with. And we all met for the first time at ConExpo. I'm still friends with a bunch of those people today that I'm quite close with. And I've never experienced nothing like that before. That meetup was crazy. And I thought to myself,
0: man, like,
2: I can't believe the potential of the stuff that's happening that I never even foreseen. I would have never guessed that there would be an app or a platform that could actually Bring people together like this,
4: mm-hmm. you know,
2: all the same construction, all have the same likes and interests and knowledge and can talk about it and meet in real life. Yeah. That's an amazing thing.
1: So it was pretty powerful then that, that people are brought together from that Instagram meetup. And, and we are working on doing something similar at this next Con Expo, which I'm excited to come out with the details with, but I love that you're connecting, you know, it wasn't just the products and the tech, it was the people. And and you're saying you still have those relationships to this day.
2: Absolutely. I do. Yeah. Oh,
1: that's great. So, um, I think you've touched on this a little bit. What specific products, technologies, or services have you found there that actually advanced your business and what you were doing? I know you've mentioned TopCon. What other, what other products or tech have you found there that you brought back home and said, let's, let's do this? Uh,
2: well, I don't think I really found any that, you know, where I worked, they didn't have that already. Okay. Kids Co has kind of everything they, they need. And if they need something, they get it. And, you great. know, they have a whole division that that's what they do. Um, so I don't think I really found nothing like that. I found a bunch of different things you know, that were good for other companies that I could make people aware of on Instagram and YouTube and stuff like that. I think that's kind of the power of me going was not finding something for myself or who I work for is, you know, but for everybody. So I went and I learned about different things. And then I passed on this knowledge and made people aware of these other products that, no one knew about. They didn't have any reach. There was no TV commercials. There weren't any newspapers. Like there was no advertising of these attachments or whatever it may be. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I came in. I done my own research. I was like, Hey, these guys are onto something. Yeah. So then I went out of my way to share with the rest of the world, kind of my opinions and what I thought of it. So.
1: That's great. So really Spokane Connex is the place where you're just going to find it all. You don't You're not going to find it all in a magazine, but you will find it all there in Vegas.
2: Yes. Yes, you will. And the thing I do know about events like this is you're able to buy machines at the show, you know, uh, depending on who it is. They may have like deals or specials or show discounts, stuff like that. Right. So you're able to kind of buy machines at the show or attachments, software, whatever, Mm -hmm. cheaper than you would, you know, going to a store or online or whatever, right? So Oh, that's great for owners
1: to know. That's good.
2: Yeah, it's it's great to go in person.
1: And what about, too, you know, real quick, for operators, why is it important to bring operators to ConExpo ConAg? Because I know there's a large community of owner operators that go, um, but tell us really quick, why is it important to bring our operators to the show?
2: Well, where I used to work at Kidco, they would bring all their foremen. Now, there's a bunch of different reasons why to bring a foreman. But to bring the operator is, you know, that goes into retaining your operators. You're involving them. You care about their opinions. You're going out of your way to involve them. Like, you can't just give someone a coffee mug and think they're going to be happy, you know, so. (laughs)
1: Instead (laughs) of a coffee mug, bring them to Con Expo. That's great.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? But a lot of people who go from companies, they're corporate, high-level people in most cases, and they're not in the field using these machines, using these products, whatever it may be, right? So, yeah, it looks good. But what's the operator's opinion?
1: That's great. And I think that goes back to your whole retention. I mean, can you imagine, you know, for companies to just start, maybe that's part of the reward program that you were talking about is, is you know, if you do good here and there, you know, we're bringing you to Con Expo. I think, I, I love that, that you're saying that. Let's transition from the coffee mug to ConExpo.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much, Scott. <laughs> we really hit some awesome things about equipment, technology, workforce development, and attending the show, which I'm really excited to see you there. I hope that you will go in a dozer with me and take a selfie. <laughs>
4: Absolutely. Let's do it.
1: Awesome. So we like to end with a rapid-fire round. So I'm just going to have a couple quick questions, and I know we'll let you get back onto the field. But what was your very, very first job?
2: My very first job uh, was age 13. I was a computer technician. I was building computers and selling uh, hard drives and DVD ROMs and floppy drives, you know, that's going back in time a little bit. But that was my first job.
1: Awesome. What was your very first car?
2: My very first car was a 1981 Lincoln Continental Lowrider <laughs> equipped with air ride suspension. I could, you know, bounce the front of the car off the ground. Oh, and my it had goodness. had balls and the whole work.
1: That's awesome. Now, if only we could do that in the equipment, huh? No, if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? Which I don't think, I I don't think that's a question Uh, for you.
2: (laughs) That's a tough one because this is, it's made me into who I am. It's everything that I am. But if I had to pick something, I would say probably racing cars of some sort. I'm a huge car fan.
1: Great, great. I heard cat team is looking. (laughs) <laughs> um,
2: know, I'm not that good. No, but. come
1: on. Now, what song gets you pumped up in the morning?
2: geez that's a tough one. I've been trying to think about that and it's a bunch, but I would have to say Till I Collapse from Eminem.
1: Oh, that's a good one. Who is one person you wish you could have dinner with?
2: Uh, Mike Rowe.
1: Oh, good. Yeah, he he's great, isn't he? He'll yes, be at the show. there
2: are a lot of similar things between me and him, I think, and we could relate to each other and, you know, stuff, so.
1: Awesome. And then what is your favorite piece of equipment and why?
2: The Caterpillar D6XE. It has evolved from the D6T into the XE.
1: And that's your favorite? That's
2: my favorite for a bunch of reasons. Yep.
1: And last but not least... Your favorite gas station food, because we all know that is a part of our life as construction workers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, a good old cheese filled jalapeno smoky.
1: Oh, cheese filled jalapeno smoky. Is that in the hot, kind of the hot? Where is that? That sounds amazing.
2: Yeah, it's like in the hot thing at like 7-Eleven. Or- I love it whatever.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Scott. I know you're a very busy guy and we just so appreciate your insight and knowledge and wisdom that you've given us today. And we are really excited to see you at the show. So thank you again for your time.
2: Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. Of
1: course. Have a great day.
2: You too.
0: And that's going to wrap up this edition of Con Expo Con Ag Radio. If you like the show and think other people should listen too, make sure to subscribe and maybe leave a review on iTunes. We'll be back next time with another great guest. Until that time, be sure to visit conexpoconag.com slash subscribe to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter. More than 30,000 other construction industry pros are already receiving news and insights to move their business forward.